So Money episode 819, Susie Carter, profit coach and author of From Bootstrap to Big Time. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Early in my career, um, I had gotten in a car accident and a big dually truck ran over the front of my car. And I broke my leg and bruised my ribs and had a concussion and I couldn't work. And I'm a, at this point, I'm a single parent. You know, I didn't have any child support. So I really couldn't take time off. That was a huge wake up call. Our guest today knows a thing or two about how to defy the odds, triumph in life despite economic challenges, and grow a multi-million dollar business. Susie Carter began her career as a hairdresser. And before that, she was raised in a very small home as one of nine children. She recalls the days of paying her mortgage with her credit card. And as you just heard, raising her daughters as a single mom when a life-threatening accident takes place. She also admits to losing 90% of her wealth in the Great Recession just 10 years ago. And she has risen from the ashes. And today she teaches others how to build wealth. Her new book is called From Bootstrap to Big Time, How to Take Your Company from 250000 to $10 million. It emphasizes that profit and planning are essential parts of a business's overall success. Susie also talks about in her life, at least, how her faith has played a role in her success. By the way, she runs a nine-figure business and has helped people from Steve Harvey to Lisa Nichols multiply their wealth and also has supported big brands from Dell to Paul Mitchell scale their businesses. Here's Susie Carter. Susie Carter, welcome to So Money. You're so money. I love money. Money is fun. <laughs> I mean, could you even imagine a life where you weren't this successful? I feel like reading your bio and learning a little bit more about your past and your upbringing, you kind of always had your eyes set for bigger things. So maybe take us back to, let's start with childhood. We usually don't get into that until later in the interview, but you have such a, a fascinating upbringing with so many siblings. I wanted you to take me back to that 1200 square foot house that you grew up in, sharing a bathroom with you know six sisters or how many of you there were. And the moments that you had thinking, oh my gosh, there has to be more out there. Oh, well, we did. You know, I didn't, when you grow up, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I didn't really know we weren't poor. <laughs> it's the nice way to say it. Well, that's a good you know, thing. We I had, think that's kudos we had to your love, parents. We had family. We, we always had food. But there was just this sense of there has to be. Like you watch TV and you're like, well, look at that car and look at that home and look at that. You know, look at the look at those people and look at their hair. And, you know, we never went to a hairdresser. We never went out to dinner ever. You know, we didn't we never had pizza brought in. Right. Like what what's normal today? We just didn't do that because there was nine kids, you know, my mom and dad. So that's, you know, 11 people in a household. You know, there's Bobby, Ronnie, Joni, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Joni, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Debbie. Right. <laughs> there's a mouthful. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, 
So I, I think I was in seventh grade that I went to my girlfriend's house, Joni Ring, and she had this beautiful white house and everything in our house for was brown. <laughs> with that many kids, you can't have anything white or clean. <laughs> no, I just remember walking in thinking it was so palatial, like, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful. Like, I didn't even know something could be so beautiful. And they had a pool, you know, in the backyard and. So it was just my first experience of seeing wealth in a different level. Like in today's standard, it would be a regular track home. But, you know, we didn't I just never had saw anything like that. So that was my first experience of really seeing something could be different. And And then the next time my dad, he was a shipbuilder. So he retired from the military and then he worked at a shipyard and he showed me his paycheck and his paycheck was $450. And I remember saying, that's not a lot of money for all these kids. Whoa. And then in today's standard, I, I looked it up. It would be about $2,800 a month for 11 people. Hmm. Like, how did you do that? Where did you right grow up? What town? Uh, I grew up in California mm-hmm. in uh, San Diego. Then your life leads you to becoming a hairdresser. And I, I understand too that there were moments where you had financial, you had financial challenges. challenges. Thank you. I was trying to look for like the, the, you know, the correct word. Then you were financing your mortgage with your credit cards. What got you there? What, what got you into that kind of trouble? Well, it wasn't really trouble. Like if I, if I really look at what we were doing at the time. So, um, although I have, have had trouble. <laughs> Oh, please. So my naivety <laughs> in building a business was, you know, I was a hairdresser and my dad, when we all turned 18, his philosophy was get a job, get a husband, get out. <laughs> so I had to get out. So I had to, you know, early on figure out how to pay my rent. I moved out when I was 17 because I thought I could do this. This is so easy. <laughs> and there was no talk about college. You know, we didn't talk about college. So I went to cosmetology school and worked at Motel 6 at night and went to school during the day. And so I did. I I figured out early on how to make money in that vocation. And so I was making a quarter of a million dollars a year working three days a week as a hairdresser. What? And I got to a point where I got bored of just making money. And my heart was calling me to do something bigger, but I I didn't know what to do because I'm a hairdresser. And I don't say that negatively. I just say, like, what other skill sets do you have? You know, I, I didn't have a formal education, although I had education. I would go to classes. I would listen. You know, we didn't have podcasts back then, but I'd go to the library and I'd go to the bookstore and I was just, you know, starving for business education to understand how to grow a business and grow your wealth. How did a hairdresser make a quarter of a million dollars working three days a week? Were you were you charging a lot? And if you were, uh, how were you cho- how are you deciding how much to charge? I guess that can also get into how you coach your clients, perhaps. Right. Well, um, the average hairdresser in today's standard makes about forty five thousand dollars a year. So to make a quarter of a million dollars, and this was, you know, 10 years ago, um, 15 years ago, that that's a lot of money. And I wasn't charging a lot. My average haircut was at that time, $48. 
but every client furnish was chemically dependent on me. Ah. <laughs> so chemicals is where the money was. One, your retention is there. Two, you know, they, they are addicted to you. I wanted all my clients addicted to me. And I, I coined myself the color expert so that they could keep coming back to me. So that's how I made a quarter of a million dollars a year. And I worked very strategic. You know, we there's a saying in, in that industry called stack and pack and rack them. <laughs> So I had them lined up. I had, you know, an assistant that worked with me. So I had a full system in doing that. And just like you said, I'm like, how does that happen? Well, that's what other salon owners started to say. Well, how do you do that? That, That's insane. If I could teach my hairdressers how to do that, you know, we'd be amazing. So I started going into schools and salons, teaching cluster classes on how do you build, you know, a six figure book. And I didn't, I didn't go in it to to be a business. I just went, oh, this would be fun. (laughs) And that's your mantra. You say you believe business should be fun, not painful. Although there are always going to be growing pains. What was your biggest challenge as you were growing? Well, there's twofold. One is how do you get to that next level? Right. How do you leverage yourself? I realized I was an awesome technician. So I owned a big fat job, you know, um, early in my career, um, I had gotten in a car accident and a big dually truck ran over the front of my car and I broke my leg and bruised my ribs and had a concussion and I couldn't work. And I'm a, at this point, I'm a single parent, you know, I didn't have any child support So I really couldn't take time off. That was a huge wake up call. So I had taken a week, which was crazy. And I didn't have family that could help me with the kids. So I still had to manage my kids. And I remember having to have to go to work because I didn't have disability insurance. I didn't have savings, savings. I was spending everything that I made, you know, in my lifestyle and fun and in my kids. And, you know, I had a I had a justifiable budget. But I had to go to work with this broke leg, you know, trying to do clients and a concussion. And I'm like, there's got to be another way. I, I own a big fat job. I can't even go on vacation. I can't even take care of myself. Right. So that was a painful process. And I swore that day I would master this thing called money because it it wasn't providing me freedom. It was providing me really a jail sentence because I had to make a certain amount of money because of the lifestyle I had created for myself, which was great on one hand, but not great on the other hand called freedom. Yeah. I think they call that the golden handcuffs in some industries, (laughs) right? Where you're like, it's great that I'm making all this money, but it's not really paying off in my life. Exactly. So I, from that point, I really turned it around to understand, you know, money before I wasn't really teaching about money. I could make money, but really leveraging my wealth, building my wealth, that wasn't a skill set that I had <laughs> at that time. So then I learned how to manage my money, start saving 30% of everything that I made. And I would just put that aside going this, this, I can't touch this. Right, 30%. 30% 30%. 30% is aggressive, although it's not unusual to hear from people like you who have amassed a lot of wealth. And in some ways, you know, if you wanted to retire, you could. A lot of people who retire early say they save 30, 50% of their income. Uh, that's how did you do that while building a business? That sounds that I mean, people have a hard time just saving 5% or 10%. 
So tell us a little well, bit about that. Well, the great thing about being an entrepreneur, Venusha, you know as well, Farnoosh, as, as, as I do, is we create our own financial well-being. So I just looked at if I'm if I'm saving 30% and putting that aside, how much more do I need to create so that I can continually do that? So I got strategic in my marketing. I got strategic in my budget. I got rid of a lot of things I didn't need to do. You know, I don't need another pair of shoes. <laughs> Right. Like the frivolous spending went away. I quit buying, you know, gourmet coffee. When I started looking at I would drink one or two gourmet coffees a day. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. Starbucks is not paying my bills. So let me quit paying their bills. <laughs> You're paying their bills. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, and realized I-, I make just as good coffee at home. <laughs> well, it sounds like two things were happening for you to be able to advance quickly in your financial life. One is you're just making these non-negotiables, like 30% saving that, I'm just going to have to work around that. And that can be a little daunting at first, but in some ways liberating, right? Because that is something consistent that you are going to stick to that becomes a habit that just becomes your new framework. And so you just work within that. And I think that's a great lesson. And then it's nice to hear from you as someone who has built so much wealth that you are also somebody who doesn't really see a value in frivolous things. You know, that even when you're, um, you know, making six figures, a four or $5 latte can really hurt your budget. It adds up. All that adds up, you know. So looking at that's when we don't realize that those pennies that you're spending because you go, oh, it's only four or five bucks. Well, let's look at that for the year. Mm-hmm. Right. I was spending literally twelve hundred dollars a year on coffee. I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah. That could go on my retirement account, yeah. right? That could go on a vacation. That could go in an emergency fund. So when you look at the accumulation of it, that's when I would get the wake up call. Cause the little, you know, $5 here, $100 here, that seems like, well, whatever, I deserve that. And I also had to work on my mindset around it, Farnoosh, because I really had, as entrepreneurs, nobody, when you come home, they're going, "You, oh my gosh, great day, you're amazing. Nobody says right. that to us. So my great day amazing was, let me go buy a new pair of shoes. Let me go buy something, because that was the way I validated myself for doing a great job, you know, doing an amazing training or do it, you know, serving a client to go, Oh, I need to fill my cup in other ways. I need to self-acknowledge. I need to do a gratitude journal. I need to figure out what, what else would give me that joy. Cause the minute you put the shoes on and you wear them once that joy has gone. So what right. would you do to self gratify? That's a great point. So one, one, I had to make a list. <laughs> this sounds really silly to make a list to go. What, what are the things that make me happy? So spending time with my kids, spending time with a girlfriend, going to walk on a beach, um, do, uh, filling out my gratitude journal every night. What, what are the things that I'm grateful for? And really looking at how blessed I was inside the life that I created. Uh, so those kinds of things filled my cup just as much as going to buy a new pair of shoes. You totally can tell I love shoes, right? <laughs> Little bits come up, but you know, who doesn't? It's, it's a vice. I, I always say shoes are great because no matter how your weight fluctuates, your shoes will always fit. 
Right. You Except when you get anything. pregnant. You just try them on and go, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they will stand by you through all times. Um, well, we've covered so much ground. I want to jump forward to today. You have a thriving business. You help so many incredible people. Steve Harvey is one of your, on your roster of clients, um, as, as well as major brands like Paul Mitchell, Dell. And you have a book, From Bootstrap to Big Time, and that is coming out soon, right? It's coming out soon. I'm so excited. You know, it's been, this is, this will be my 10th book, which I'm very wow. excited about, but my first book in the entrepreneurial space, um, the, all the other ones were in the beauty industry. And so it's been a while, a long time coming, uh, and to create this one. So I'm very excited about it. And it was my journey of how I started as a single mom, um, building a multi-million dollar business and then selling it for millions to Thompson Learning and Ritker's Publishing. So it's it was a journey. It is a journey, right? I won't say it was a journey because it is a journey and how you did that um, with no formal education. You know, I think a lot of us hold ourselves back because we don't have this piece of paper called, I didn't go to university. Well, there's education all around you. And I couldn't afford to go to a university, but I would find mentors like you. I would find mentors, you know, in books. I would find mentors at seminars to learn what I needed to learn to implement it tomorrow. Right. So I am, you know, traditional school. I, you know, bore me, but regular, you know, fun entrepreneurial education. I eat that up like a sponge because I can learn it today and implement it tomorrow. I would love to ask you a little bit about single motherhood and managing your money and your family. A woman just emailed me today wishing that I would cover this topic more on the podcast. And, you know, to be honest, it's not something that we do a lot on this show, but there have been times where I've interviewed women like you who've talked about being single mothers and how that, how all of that worked for them or didn't work. And so any advice for single moms out there, you know, it's so hard even when you're in a two parent really, you know, family, it's, it it just feels like there's never enough support sometimes, especially when your kids are still growing and you both are working. So any advice? Yes. The first thing that I would say is you have to realize that it's about quality time, not quantity time, right? To go, I would much rather be with my kids and be with them than have my children around. Right. So, so many times you're like, I'm there 40 hours a week. I'm taking care of my kids. But are you really there? Right. We get so checked out. So I had a I had huge guilt around because as a speaker, you know, I was on a plane all the time, you know, traveling. I had to rely on friends. I had to rely on community to help me with my kids. Um, so it's, it's all about what's the quality and what are the experiences that you want your children to experience? I fortunately can sit on the other side. Now, my children are, I can't believe they're this old furnish. I just want to say that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) My youngest one will just be celebrating her 30th birthday. And my oldest one is 32. Wow. And now who they are as women is breathtaking. My oldest one has an MBA from Wharton. She went to Harvard. She's an investment banker. And what she learned from me as an entrepreneur is what paved her way to be who she is today. What do you think she learned the most from you? What, what, what has she really uh, benefited 
you know, from being your daughter as far as now being so successful in her career? I mean, so many things, right? But what do you think maybe was the one thing? <laughs> well, see, what I would say and what she would say, what I would say right. <laughs> is from an early age, you know, they worked. If they wanted something, like we would put these binders together and they would sit in front of the TV and I paid them a dollar a binder to put these binders together that I was shipping out to my clients. And so we did a whole ceremony around them. You you have to do it really meticulously. This is, we're transforming people's lives. And, you know, I want you to be responsible every time you touch it. It's not just a binder. It's people's hopes and dreams, right? And so that made them be more meticulous when they would put it together and then they would get paid. And I remember one day she's like, mom, we're done. I'm like, what do you mean you're done? She's like, we will not work for a dollar binder. We want to raise. Right. (laughs) And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, mom, you sell these binders for $349 and you're only paying us a dollar. That is child labor. (laughs) You're breaking child labor laws. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Good for her. Sorry, mom. But that's awesome. That's really awesome. Right. So I'm like, well, you want to get paid? She goes, I want to get paid $2. I'm like, I am not paying you $2. I said, <laughs> I'll pay you $1.75 or $1.50. She's like, I will not do $1.50. I will do $1.75. I'm like, deal. Let's shake on it. <laughs> and later this became her essay for Wharton. I, I, Exactly. I would accept anyone to a the number one business school with a story like that. That's incredible. Good for her. Great job. Great job, mom. Thank you. And then the youngest one is an entrepreneur. She's a medical esthetician and a makeup artist, and she travels all over the country and does makeup for film, television, print. She's a mom as well. And to see who she is as a mom, you know, you really have to go, okay, I didn't do half bad. Like I really, cause you beat yourself up, right? That you're not there or I missed this game or I, you know, I didn't go to this party or whatever. Cause there's always something to do with them. Mm-hmm. And I really chose wisely to go and, and teach them the lessons, you know, what we do Farnoosh isn't, you just, you're not just doing a podcast. You truly are shaping people's lives and giving them hope and giving them future. And when I shared that with my children, I'm like, look, I'm not just on a stage. It's not about me. It's about every time I touch someone that touches someone else. And I have a responsibility. You know, my gift from God is my life and your gift back to God is what you do with your life. And so I instilled that with my children to go, don't just show up. What's your contribution to humanity? And they both, you know, are huge advocates for their communities, for their families, you know, in the work that they do, they really want to make a profound difference. I'm really fascinated by people who are really faith-based and then apply that to their financial principles that they live by. And and so would love to explore this with you a little bit because, you know, Dave Ramsey is very much um, faith-based, faith-oriented, and his community is the same. And you've mentioned your faith a few times now, and it seems like you have a really deep connection to God. And I just want to know a little bit more about you know, the correlations you have seen in your life with regards to being committed to your faith and how that has played out for you in your money life. 
Yeah, there. I think everyone has a higher power. You know, mine happens to be God. I'm not putting my belief systems on anyone. But what is yours, right? That higher power that you can turn to when it's dark, because there is darkness. There's darkness in business. There's darkness in relationships. You know, there's the questioning of who am I as a woman? Who am I as a mom? Who am I as a spouse, significant other? And there has to be that safe place that you can go to to refuel yourself. So, you know, it has played a huge part in my life. I pray every day and I pray several times a day. You know, it's just a silent thing that I do to give me strength to go on because I might have a client that doesn't like me or isn't happy. And I I can't let that stop me because I still have to do what I have to do. You know, and the biggest um, the biggest blessing, I would say, you know, one one of the things that happened in 2007, and I know a lot of us, you know, and a lot of your listeners experienced this when the market crashed, uh, I crashed. Right. I, I was going through a really hard time in my marriage. Uh, we had worked together for 20 years. We had built this business, the training and development business together. We sold that business for millions and we had another business that we didn't sell. And we decided at that point that we weren't going to work together anymore. We wanted to work on the marriage and be separate. But at that time, the industry was in so much turmoil that we were putting $30,000 a month of our own money into this other business. And I'm like, look, we can't keep doing this. It's not making sense. We've, we've got to shift something. And we were heavily invested in real estate. And, and you know that at that time, the real estate market crashed. And so we had uh, four properties that we had and all four of them crashed, right? They were under market, under value. One was, you know, a, mo- a million dollar building that we had and the renters that were in it, they couldn't pay the rent anymore. So we're supplementing that rent while we're trying to sell that building. Like it was the perfect financial tsunami. I won't even say it was a storm mm-hmm. and our marriage didn't survive. You know, we were to, we were together for 20 years and it got too much for him and he chose to move and move to Singapore and get some space. And so I'm sitting here holding the bag and it, it was devastating. I, I lost 90% of my wealth during that period. What? And I remember being on the floor furnished crying going, why? I've been a good steward. I've been, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I truly was having my little pity party and, you know, crying. Like I, I can't, I can't get up. I can't do this again. I don't have 20 years. I don't have it in me. You know, like when you get the the rug pulled out from under you and you get clobbered while you're on the ground, it takes a lot to get up. And I remember hearing, it still makes me emotional, hearing, get up. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. This will be your biggest lesson and your biggest victory. Get up. And um, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to get up. And I didn't know what to do because I felt here I'm a business coach. And here I teach people how to leverage and build and build millions. And I, the ding dong, lost, just lost millions. And what it felt like overnight, it was really about a two to three year period, but it, it felt overnight. And I just got up and said, what you know how to do, Susie, is you know how to create wealth. You know how to build money. You know how to build a business. Just do what you know how to do and let everything else go. 
So I put my head down. You know, I had several private clients. I started working on their business. I took over Lisa Nichols company and I grew that business from a million dollars to a $10 million business. And we took that company public and I just stayed focused on what I knew I know how to do and rebuilt my wealth in five years. You know, what took me 20 years only took me five years because I knew how to do it now. Right. I wasn't going through that mass learning curve that I was in my youth of having, you know, spending all your money than, you know, going into debt. And so it was a different experience, but it has been my biggest victory and my biggest lesson. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I know that sometimes people are hesitant to talk about the losses, the failures, the setbacks, especially when their whole kind of business is based on coaching people through those things. And so we really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And wow, Lisa Nichols, that's incredible. A million dollars to 10 million and then going public in five years. That's uh that was over about an eight year period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, still. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lisa. I love Lisa Nichols. I think she's fantastic. Everybody loves us some Lisa. Everybody loves some Lisa. Um, you know, it's the holidays and we're approaching the holidays. And uh, our sponsor is Chase Slate. And one of the questions that we're asking guests this time of year is how are you uh how are you planning around the holidays this year? What's uh what's your kind of financial approach to the holidays? Well, one, I always give back, you know, so I believe that's a big part of my success is I give back and give back to my community. So one, I give to my church regularly, but two, um, I'm sponsoring a, a child in Africa for their co- their high school education. So for the next four years, uh, I'm giving him money for his books and all his schooling and committed to that this holiday season you know, to give someone the opportunity. He's, he's got a, my colleague said that he wants to be a doctor and he's so excited about the medical profession and just the gift to be able to sponsor him and support him in his education is such a blessing. So, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, take the coins from your purse, invest them in your mind and your mind will fill your purse overflowing. Hmm. I love that. Benjamin it's one Franklin. of my favorites, right? Benjamin Franklin knew a thing or two. Oh. And a thing or two. So it's been my yeah. mantra. Like I know every dollar I invest in my education, I get back tenfold. It may not come tomorrow, but it always comes. And so if I can do that for somebody else, you know, a, a child that doesn't have the means to do that, then that makes makes it all worthwhile. Susie Carter, thank you so much for coming on and these powerful stories that you've shared really uh, a wonderful way to round out the year as many of us are looking ahead and thinking about how we're going to map out the new year. How are we going to change our financial lives? Can we even do it? And you have given us so much hope and inspiration. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your 10th book or your 11th book, I can't keep track. From Bootstrap to Big Time, How to Take Your Company from 250000 to $10 million. If you're listening and you think you're ready to go big time, you know what? Find Susie. She's going to help you get there. Thank you very much. Thanks, Farnish. I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're up to and what you're doing for us in the world. Thanks so much to Susie for joining us. Her book again is called From Bootstrap to Big Time, How to Take Your Company from 250000 to $10 million. Her website is Susie Carter, 
C-A-R-D-E-R.com. And she is on the Instagram at Susie Carter. All this information is back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. You can listen to the audio, download the transcript, and also click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there. Send me a question for our Friday episodes and let me know there too if you'd like to co-host. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.